Hi, welcome to Celebrity Wine Club, where we all three have big brown beavers and we're drinking Les Claypool's wine today. I'm your beautiful host, Nicole. I'm Angela. And I'm your other beautiful host, Lauren. I'm the beautifulest. Whatever. Well, you missed your, your intro. <laughs> well, I was wearing, waiting. I'm wearing the most <laughs> patterns and leopard print of the group, so that means I'm the hottest. <laughs> okay. okay. I have the furriest earring, so. Mm-hmm. Um, Angie has the most pom-poms. There's a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, this week we're <laughs> drinking Claypool Cellars. It's uh, Les Claypool's wine, and we have a very special guest. It's the Celebrity Wine Club's bend, my husband, Dan. Say hi, Dan. Hello. My name's Dan, and I am honored to be on the show. Really? Thank you so much. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I'm a huge Les Claypool fan, and Nicole reminded me earlier. She said that I had said, if you get Les Claypool wine, I'll be on the pod. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so we did. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I told you to it. So, Dan, are you a wine drinker? I am a somewhat of a wine drinker. Not major, but if I do drink wine, I want it to be like a chilled white wine, typically. Okay. So what's mm-hmm. your favorite white wine? Chilled. <laughs> I thought he was gonna say champagne. <laughs> Put some ice in it, chill it. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. We know what we know what we're working with here. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously he likes champagne. We're all like champagne monsters. So oh. when when did we introduce the shambong into our mainstream lifestyle? So we got it the day of Amber and Martin's wedding. Okay. September. 2018. Almost two years ago, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Nicole would not let me bring it over here. Which is a goddamn shame because I would have really benefited from a couple of Well, I thought it was in our best interest to not shambong before the show. And then what if we wanted to shambong Les Claypool's champagne and then nobody else at home could follow along? They'd be all really disappointed. A a shambong is an instant glass of champagne. (laughs) And the rule is you cannot have more than two. It's like this champagne flute with a hole in the bottom, and you can just instant whole glass of champagne and don't do more than two per night. That Mm -hmm. we've figured that out the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) This is speaking from experience, you guys. You're welcome. We did the research. It's a traditional way tonight, I think, is what. The slow way. The slow method. The slowed and throwed way. The slow method. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so today we've got um, we've got the rosé, Pinot Noir rosé, yes. and the champagne, which I think is a real ass. It champagne is a real ass champagne from the you know uh, quarantini region of France, <laughs> <laughs> Champagne region. Yeah, it yeah. is actually so they imported the grapes from the Champagne region. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, do you guys want to hop into it? Yeah. Okay. So. Dan, do you want to like describe yeah. the bottle? We're gonna go. I think we're gonna drink the Pinot Noir Rosé first. Um, I'm gonna describe the bottle. It's a tall, tall, slender bottle. You can kind of see the light pink. It's kind of fancy. Mm-hmm. It looks like to me, um, whenever you would go to the beach and they would do like the sand art for you and like the glass bottles, like that's what the bottle reminds me of. Yeah, it's a nice bottle. Uh, it has his purple pachyderm logo there. He's got a thing with elephants clearly um (laughs) and on the back of it i'll go ahead and read the little 
inf information it has on the back. Since 2007, it has been our goal to produce the finest wines possible from the highest quality fruit available in West Sonoma County. For those searching for lean, crisp, yet delicate Pinot Rosé, your quest has ended. Pachyderm. Nice. So they did have magnums of this, but they're sold out. Whenever I was looking on the website to order stuff, there was not a lot of selection just because most of everything was sold out. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm I'm glad that we got what we did get. Yeah. So this is the this is the 2018 Pinot Noir Rosé. Mm -hmm. It's Sonoma Coast, and it says, um, "This crisp, refreshing rosé has aromas of strawberry, bright cherry, citrus, white peach, nectarine blossom, and crisp green apple. Bright acidity on the palate with a balanced and lively texture and alluring floral notes. And it's thirty five dollars." Mm hmm. Mm. Yeah, so I was making that face because I have a hair on my microphone. Okay, I thought you were like making a face at me like I was doing something wrong. I no. was like, okay, well, damn. Okay, so we're going to do a pour? Yeah, let's do a pour. Yes. Okay. I wanted to mention he's owned land in Sonoma, Northern California for a long time. He's from the Bay Area, so I think he, I think he cares about this wine. Well, he cares about everything that he does. Yeah, I, I get that vibe, too. I think it's on the website, but I was reading somewhere that he was saying they'd lived there so long that they started, like, people started bringing their own wines there because everybody makes wine there. So they just, like, started making wine because well, that's what everybody there, does you know there. Yeah, wine. they just wanted it mm -hmm. to be, like, a person, like, you know, it's kind of like with Clooney and his, like, um, like, his tequila. Yeah, like, he just wanted to have, like, a private juice label or whatever or he just wanted to have it for himself and then they got so many grapes that it became this boutique business but he's always been like a weed head and then he got mm -hmm. tired of smoking weed and now he says like wine over weed and he's a wine head now instead well yeah. welcome to the club and angie <laughs> and angie i think they started with pinot noir they he, did he specifically yes. is obsessed with pinot noir right so i did read that too mm -hmm. okay we're gonna do our four s's I thought it was five S's. Whatever. Do you swirl with champagne still? I don't think you swirl with champagne. Okay. It's already bubbly okay. enough. You see? Yeah, you get rid swirl. of the bubbles. That was a dumb question. It smells like champagne. Sip and savor. Oh, that smells good. It smells kind of buttery. It, would, it tastes buttery, too. Like, in the texture way, it's very smooth. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like got that expensive mouthfeel. Oh, it do. Yeah, it's like real peachy colored. Mm-hmm. And it's a nice delicate kind of finishes a little bitter. I think me. it's I think it's like real fruit forward. It is. But in a way that's dry, not like jammy. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. It it has like a that like is little, closer mm -hmm. to like a white wine that I would like. Like I can go close to a red. I don't really like red wines. So this is more in my type of wines I'd be open to drinking since it's whitish. Yeah. Closer Dan is more of a, Me he's a Mexican beer head. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Well, so I was going to say like, um, they already know this, but Dan, you probably don't. So whenever it's a Pinot Noir Rosé or like a Rosé of whatever type of grape, that means that it was made with the Pinot Noir grape and then they just pulled the skins off of it early so it doesn't get all the tannins mm -hmm. and stuff. That's why it's like the nice pink color. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't have the grape skin coloring the I wine. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. It's really good. So what are our vineyard notes for okay, Clay so Pole there's, Cellars? There's like a lot of hot stuff on his website. So he does have a club. It's like the wine club is called LES, like less. Cool. And it's um, the League of Extraordinary Slurpers. <laughs> and that's like his wine club or whatever that you can join to get like special cases and like early access and whatever. And you can order like, oh, shit, sorry. You can like order... Um, like you can be silver, platinum, or gold, and it's three bottles, six bottles, bottles, or twelve bottles, twice a year. But like their website has a lot of information. So the glorious story is: um, in 1994, my soon-to-be wife and myself moved to the heart of the Russian River Valley. Back then, we were surrounded by apple orchards. Um, as we started raising children, we noted the raising of the apple trees and the planting of vines. These vines would grow to become some of the most prized Pinot Noir in California. Um, Blah, blah, blah. Like, he's like, oh, if you live in Hollywood long enough, chances are you're going to make friends with folks in the entertainment industry. If you live in Detroit, if you lived in Detroit back in the heyday, you, uh, the guys on your bowling team probably knew about a lot about making cars. Living in the Russian River Valley, my pals are vineyard managers, coopers, winemakers, stainless steel fabricators, and various other tradesmen who are involved in the wine industry. It was only a matter of time before bottles of Pinot Noir from my friends and neighbors started showing up at our barbecues. I'd never been much of a wine guy, but these gems started coming my way. And I learned to appreciate the fabulous juice that was being created in my own backyard. And I was hooked. So just like goes on to talk about how he like decided to grow his own grapes. Um, Fabulous juice. Yeah. I like that. Me too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. It says, of course, we found out that making wine, well, good wine, is a damned expensive venture that should not be undertaken by anyone who has any form of financial common sense. (laughs) (laughs) He's the same sentiment that Sam Neill does. Yeah, he does. But but both of them have been blessed with success where they have the ability to, you know, dabble in winemaking and then... Yeah, he says the notion of Claypool cellars and pachyderm wines is that as folks delve into the world of fine wine consumption, it's important to offer an option that is of the highest caliber, yet not overly pretentious. All that being said, this venture has mainly been a great excuse for us to throw some fat wing dinger parties with eclectic (laughs) folks, fancy food, and amazing juice. I like wing dinger, Mm -hmm. wing dinger parties. At least he doesn't lie about it. True, true. Like it goes on to say, like, I hope you enjoy the product of our toil and me being a picky bastard. you should take comfort in the notion that you are drinking from my own personal stash. Nice. That's cool. All yeah. of the vintages are pretty limited release too. They, they are like, I mean, I think the most that they make are like 300 cases. So he like, he's interested in it, but he knows that he doesn't know shit. And so he has like hired people that have their own labels and stuff to right. work for him, but he's involved. Like there's was, a woman that helps run the vineyard too, which I thought was pretty cool yeah. because there's a, what I've noticed like with wines from this season is that there's a lot more like ladies running mm-hmm. vineyards and there are like men. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. So one of the, when he first started out, um, he got this guy from a company called Vinify. Um, to start to like help him. And so he was like, yeah, I met this guy and he was just like, he was a snowboarder and a carpenter and a this and a that, like how I'm a million different things. So I knew that we were like in good company and, um, like he'd made some amazing wines. And I guess that guy specifically makes his own rosé, like just for himself. That's called the leg spreader. And I would really like to try that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, he's like obviously a really good musician. And I was reading this interview um, because I guess the guys from Rush 
were really into wine. And so the interviewer was asking if yeah. he ever got to go like have any of like their burgundies or anything. And he was like, yeah, they used to treat me really good, really nice. And they were really generous and would take me to these dinners and just keep buying like bottle after bottle of high quality juice and like savoring each glass. Meanwhile, I was like this stoner kid and I was just knocking him back and like trying to talk to them about like the bass and music. Didn't give a shit about right. the wine. Exactly. <laughs> I read that too. <laughs> Um, I thought you were going to say Rush had their own wine, and I was like, that's no. how we can get somebody else on here, but oh well. Mm-hmm. That's Lame. funny, because Les Claypool was a, R- a Rush fan growing up. Yeah, and it really sucks, too, because um, he was planning like this tribute to Rush tour for this year, and obviously with Rona, it's all been canceled. Mm-hmm. Well, the cool thing is they did, they're doing like virtual wine tastings, and we missed it. They did one on Thursday, and we should have. The like, Claypool Sellers Twitter is really active. Yeah, it is. They seem interactive, and there was a Zoom. Isn't it his wife that runs the Twitter account? Yeah, she uh-huh. does, but it, yeah. They had a Zoom virtual tasting. We could have signed up and ha- Zoomed them and, yeah, talked well, about their I wine mean, with them. it's not it's not too late. Right. No. That's we well, are running out of home activities, I know. <laughs> well, apparently they throw this party every year at this brewery that's nearby, like the winery. Mm-hmm. And, like, he plays and it's like wine tasting and then the beer tasting for that place and it's like a big party they've done it for 11 years straight and they usually it's like do it the around hop christmas monk brewery. Oh, yeah that the hop monk brewery yeah it okay. sounded One cool more time. hop is it hop mouth or hop hop, hop monk hop hop and, monk yeah <laughs> it's hard and to say nicole's like let's just move there Let's just I mean, move there. We can go to breweries, Claypool plays randomly. It seems most appropriate to have wine club in that area, but right. well, like I told you guys, we can buy a mobile home for a hundred grand. It can just be our second home in wine country. Yeah, I mean, I'm like so close to packing up and moving out from was, mobile home to a mobile home in wine country. Yeah, okay. They have we'll a go. sauerkraut party every year. Ooh, I love sauerkraut. Um. And then they have, oh my gosh, okay. Yeah, it's the Hop Monk Pre-Turkey Day Pinot Party. That sounds fun. Um, um, it's the featuring the music mischief of Les Claypool and Friends. Come celebrate a pre-Turkey Day wine and music event, fe- event featuring the silky smooth liquid known as Claypool Cellars. Um, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and you get like raffle, they have like prizes and raffle tickets and it sounds like a really good time. Uh, I want to go to there. It does sound like a good time. Mm -hmm. Let's switch gears for a second and talk a little bit about Claypool's projects. Dan, when was the first time that you saw a less Claypool project and which project did you see? Like in person or like, like a video or something? In person. Okay. In person. The first time I saw less Claypool live was with Nicole in 2013. It's a great story. It was a uh, Harvest Mountain Music Festival in the mountains of Arkansas, which music sounds better outside in the mountains, in of my opinion. Of course it does. Um, Nicole and I were walking up to them. They were already playing, Duo de Twang. And we thought it was a five or this is booming sound coming off of the stage. And we thought it was a five or six piece band, and it's Les Claypool and one of his high school friends. Uh, he calls him Kehoe. Yeah. It was two guys making this incredible sound, and we were mesmerized. We were like, there's no way there's two people playing. We stayed for the whole show. Um, later on, I about a couple years later, 2015, I would listen to nothing but that album. I love that album. Um, and then a couple years later, Nicole and I in Oklahoma City got to go see uh, Primus do the Charlie and the 
Chocolate Factory the tour. Yeah. The chocolate factory. So it was his. Yeah. Rendi- he had a bunch of songs with it playing on a screen in the background, and they had all that like acid wash like video stuff. It was right? really I didn't go, cool. but I just remember it you guys talking about cool. it. It was super cool. We loved it, and he came out in a pig mask playing his bass like his guitar bass guitar upright with the bow yeah. and mm-hmm. he can do anything he wants he's a showman you know he's it only great had, i think it only had one string too it was like kind of like almost a theremin type thing he was doing with his pig mask on yeah so those were the two times i and i recommend everyone go see primus if you can even if you're not a rock whatever they are go see him once because mm-hmm. he's a good showman and an amazing musician i was with you guys in 2013 we went to the harvest festival so was angie and Angie, yeah, Angie was there too. I was there. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I don't have a lot of like in-person experience listening to Les Claypool, but I have a funny story about how I was introduced to Les Claypool, well, Primus specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like 18 and I was hanging out with a bunch of dudes from the casino that I worked at and we'd all drank a bunch of Robotussin. Robotussin? Wow. To be Robotrippin'. Robotrippin'. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't done that since your 21st birthday. Um, I think. <laughs> I've never done that, and I don't think I'll stick with that. I think that that's story. probably smart, Angela. Um, we traditional make, psychedelics now. Uh, yeah, we tend to make a lot of bad choices overall. Anyway, so I was outside of this like party house, and there's like a like a kind of broke down wooden fence going along like where the driveway was, and I was like tripping balls, and I felt like I was. I mean. I could see myself walking along the fence. Like my feet were on the fence, not on the ground. And then we go inside and this guy had like a DVD of like Primus music videos. And that's what we sat there and did. And some of them were very, very scary. They are very scary. Especially the one I didn't, we were watching Primus music videos before we recorded, but there's one where there's like a pig that's flying in the air. It's just like a pig head claymation style, like stop motion claymation stuff. And then like the tongue just starts like comes out of his mouth and just starts going around like clockwise. And it's, it's really fucking trippy. That's what I remember uh, in Northern California in the early nineties. I remember the music videos being being wild as I had a sister six years older than me watched MTV when it was cool back then. Oh, yeah. And uh, Primus has, has been known for those wild music videos. And I enjoyed watching some of them as a primer to this. They're out there. <laughs> Definitely. Mm-hmm. I really like the Tommy, the cat music video though. Cause it's real silly. Oh, I was going to say I was introduced to Primus probably r- around the time I was 18 or maybe younger. Cause my brother listened to them all the time, but I didn't really pay attention. You know, my brother was like a big influence on my musical music. Yeah. yeah. And I actually talked to him today because he was a huge, is a huge. You were very upset that he didn't text you back last night about. I did. And I text him when I like later that night. And then this morning I had to wait because he's on the West Coast. So I like waited until I knew he was awake. And I was like, brother. Can I just FaceTime you? I need to talk to you. It's <laughs> yeah. urgent. Well, you know that he has, he's like filming a reality show right now with Dean Ween called Musicerman, where they like talk music and go fishing. Yeah, because Dean Ween has a fishing boat tour thing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to take my brother on that for his 40th birthday, but that didn't happen. But we did go see Ween. Mm-hmm. Les Claypool has a fishing boat. He'll go crabbing in Northern California. He sings about it. This is Joe Twain. He's, <laughs> he's a likable guy. It's like oh. a realistic. With Duo de Twang earlier, I was going to say, like, they have one of my favorite Staying Alive covers. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun to listen to. So were you just, like, introduced to Primus or, like, his side projects? Yeah, what so, was your first? I mean, so I'm sure I listened to Primus when, like, my brother was driving me to school. That's how I remember, like, being introduced to Ween. But I didn't really like Primus. So it wasn't until I was, like, 
just in, it was in college. I was in college and he gave me the Oyster Head album and I had gone to several fish shows with him, with my brother. So, cause Trey. Fish is a gateway drug to Les Claypool. So. Yeah. <laughs> cause Trey's on there. So I was listening to Oyster Head, but then it comes full circle. Cause when I graduated with my master's, Matt was in Memphis and it was Memphis in May and we saw Primus there. Oh, cool. And Matt remembered the story. Cause like there's a storm coming in and like Memphis is, and May is right by the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And there was a storm coming in from the like the northwest. And he was like, Les Claypool was like, I don't know why y'all are standing here watching me. Turn around and look at those like gorgeous storm clouds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Oh my God. I was reading like all a lot about all of his quirks, but especially that he does not like things being thrown on stage. Like one time someone threw like a dead fish on stage and he was like, you guys know that I love fishing, but this is fucking ridiculous. And so he'll stop playing like like he's like the teacher and the crowd is a little kid. Like when that happened, he, one time, the, some, the classroom, one time someone threw like a beer on stage <laughs> and he just like stopped playing and the whole band went backstage. The lights came on for like 20 minutes. And then he came back out and was like, okay, if you guys can behave, I'll keep playing. And then he just picked right back up, like on the note that he dropped whenever Shit. that guy threw that. And then another time in Cleveland, the same thing happened, but he stopped playing and he went on this big seven minute tirade about like all the mythical creatures. Like there's the Loch Ness monster and there's this and there's that. But now there's something new in Cleveland. It's called the Cleveland tiny penis. Like that's <laughs> who threw that on stage and all this stuff. Like he likes to say that people have like inferior genitalia if they, throw stuff on stage and then he again just like picked right back up on the note that he stopped playing. We say that all the time about people with like those like truck nuts and like sports cars and Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. (laughs) But apparently it's like not good to say anything about small dicks because it's offensive. It's like body shaming especially to like trans people. So instead it's like stinky dick energy or like poo-poo dick energy. You can't say big or small. You have to say like good Mm -hmm. or bad. Swamp dick. We had a big talk about that at one point in time but Mm -hmm. I can't I can't place like what yeah. brought it up. But. Our like stanky booty energy. <laughs> <laughs> I saw like a positive, a body positive uh, male like picture on Facebook the other day. And it had like all these different shapes and sizes of men. It was talking about like body positivity. And I was like, they all look attractive to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I wonder if that's what guys see when they see one of women. Mm. Because, yeah. So the, when I saw Duo de Twang, I was talking to Dan. We were, like, getting ready earlier. And I was like, you know that Duo de Twang show was so crazy because um, the, the bass was thumping so hard uh-huh. because of him, like, his bass skills or whatever. And it was so crazy just seeing two people make that music. It looked, it sounded like there were at least six people on stage. But I, like, got up to the very front and it was, like, rattling my sternum, like, brown note style. Even at, like, EDM shows and stuff, I've never heard bass that loud. And I was like, it's so crazy because I'd never ride the rail and Dan's like oh except for when we go see Sound Tribe when we go see Lettuce when we go see I just mean that usually if it's not like one of my most favorite bands I'm not riding the rails and yeah. then we were talking about the Primus and the Chocolate Factory show which is the first time one of our friends brought this like like busker man back from San Francisco who was like he ruins everything busker man Oh, oh, yeah. He like he was like if if like Polly Shore hopped trains like this. That was like the type of guy. This (laughs) no, definitely. And he annoyed the shit out of me that night. Plus that like big dicked man. Remember that guy? Yeah, I remember that guy. He was also there, and they the Pringles can. Pringles Mm -hmm. can guy. (laughs) They were there, and everyone was taking ecstasy and like trying to give me some, and I'm like. 
I don't want that. The show is scary, and it is a Tuesday. It is a Tuesday. (laughs) I work. I mean, you guys might not, but I do. Yeah, we have to drive home, and it is a Tuesday. No, thank you. (laughs) Can we do an ecstasy on a Tuesday when I've got like an 8 a.m. like alarm about to go? (laughs) Jesus. Uh One thing I wanted to add about Les Claypool is Uh he's like super unique, super weird, um, and he's not really mainstream, but he's mainstream as fuck. Like he's everywhere almost. He's like collaboration king with a ton of people. Yeah. He's, you, he does the South Park intro. You yeah, right? and yeah. That's him in it. And you guys are um you guys said that he had collaborated with Hank Williams the, the third. third. Yeah. 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 And, and and Metallica did a Leonard Skinner cover song. Like they covered a Leonard Skinner song and Les Claypool was on it playing the banjo. That's a deep cut. That's a deep cut. And he did all the music for this like Wii game called Mushroom Men. <laughs> and then that's like what his like fungi album, like he expanded on those so- songs and turned it into an album. That's hilarious. I know. He did the robot chicken. Yeah, theme. he did do the robot he, chicken. He's theme. all over the place. He uh Angie mentioned Oysterhead. He collabed with, you know, the fish lead Trey and one of the police. Yeah, the, the guy from the police. Was, I didn't realize that until today either. And I was like, oh, another full circle so thing. So he and Trey had been trying oh, to figure didn't... out something to do for a while. And then they both were really huge fans of the police. And so they approached him. And then that's why they did the project with him. But that was just supposed to be a one-time thing at Jazz Fest. And it became like a whole thing. And that's kind of what happened um, with his like latest thing, Bastard Jazz. Yeah. Um, which was got, which like, is super cool. and Mike with Dylan Sean and Lennon. stuff. And then, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously the stuff with Sean Lennon, which that was on Jam Cruise this year and we weren't there. So that was pretty sad. I know. I know. I read this quote about Sean Lennon and he was like, yeah, he's basically, he has all of these ideals of his father and this like super creativity um, and like weird approach to the world, like his mom. And so he's, he makes the perfect, he's the perfect freak stew. Freak stew. (laughs) Well, Oysterhead got back together at the beginning of this year, I think Mm -hmm. before COVID. Well, they were going to go on tour this year, weren't they? But they canceled in February. They played a couple of shows. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, it would have been nice. There was a guy that I met on either Bumble or Hinge, and I have him saved in my phone as Jampan Freak. I have no idea Mm. what his name is, but he would not shut up about the Oysterhead reunion to the point that I was just like, (laughs) "Do not disturb." Mm -hmm. Hide alerts. Like, like. an album cool i mean yeah. it was awesome yeah so i i was listening to oysterhead one time and there was uh someone we know this is what the tangled web it was yeah. my ex's ex-friend but also one of my best friend's ex-fiance it's the same person <laughs> <laughs> the same person I know him. anyway so um tangled web we were in my car driving to like a happy hour a long time ago and i was playing it and he was like this is before like i said like I hadn't made the connection between Les Claypool and Primus. Like I was, I knew who Trey was and I knew who like, anyway, he was like, this sounds like Primus. And I was like, well, it's Oysterhead. And he was like, it sounds like Primus. And I was like, well, it's Oysterhead. And, and then it's the guy from Fish. Louder and louder yeah, I was like just louder. back and forth. And then like years later, I'm like, oh, it's probably because it was Les Claypool. But he's into Primus apparently. Well, what I think is so funny. Like, okay. So Les Claypool has that movie, like the, 
Electric Apricot movie. Oh, yeah. The Quest for Festeroo or something. But I was listening to this podcast today. Like, obviously, that's kind of like poking fun at jam bands. But I was listening to this music podcast today, and the guy was interviewing him, and he was talking about the Grateful Dead. And Les Claypool was laughing. He was like, do I seem like a Grateful Dead fan to you? And then he started talking about, like, the jam band scene and how he'd always kind of knocked it. And he was like, but jam bands, it's not Grateful Dead. And it's not Fish, and it's not any one band. Like, whenever I started going to, like, jam band festivals and stuff, like, as a musician, it was so cool because no one cares what you look like, how old you are, like, what a freak you are. You can literally look like anything, be any age. The jam band stuff isn't one band or a genre. It's the musicianship. It's the way that these people approach their instruments. And that's all people care about. They don't care what you look like. They want to see you like do some weird shit with your instrument. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. We related to him when he said that. Cause, and I know Lauren, you do too. Cause we go to music festivals all the time. All the fucking time. And Angie. And Angie. (laughs) And twins. (laughs) And we see people trying to do just new and unique stuff with their instruments. And it's amazing. Yeah. And And like, you know, the, it's, it's the improv part of it that makes it really like fun and special because you know that most of the time, like, yeah, you might go see lettuce, for example, and they might play, um, you know, I don't know. Phyllis. Phyllis, you know, three different times that you see them, but it may be, you know, either slightly different or very different each time that you see it, you know, and it's the same thing with, Pretty much mm-hmm. any fucking jam band out there. So a lot of these guys, like, they work together and they'll practice and stuff. But he had one project where they did not prepare at all. They never practiced together. And they just got up on stage. And I was reading about it. I was laughing so hard because it was like, it's totally improvised. They never practice. And at one of their shows, they spent, like, half of the show just on stage making sandwiches for the crowd. <laughs> Someone in the crowd was hungry and really appreciated that sandwich. So I guess you can throw stuff off the stage, yeah, but you can't throw so. stuff on I the stage. So. Nice. Well done. Double standard. Oh, well done. So well, this- Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, we've talked about that a lot on this pod, like how, like, you know, some musicians are showmen Mm -hmm. and some are like artists and some just like, you know, use their instrument. Like it's a fucking, like it's it's a craft basically. It's like, it's like, like woodworking or something. Like you don't make the same thing twice, basically. Like, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they're a pretty good illustration of that. I'd say. I appreciate that. I Well, I mean, he obviously puts a lot of care into everything that he does. And it's like pretty obvious that even though he's not a winemaker himself, he's really involved in this process. And I personally would never really pay $35 for a bottle of no, rosé. but the, absolutely not. It, the mouthfeel of this yes. is like more expensive than $35. Yeah. It's so and, silky. And I just, I like the flavor of it overall. Like, I, I just think it's really good. You can taste the fruit. Mm-hmm. Taste the fruit. I like that it's a little sour. I like that it's dry. I, I think it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think the flavor is so subtle for me. and But the mouthfeel, like Nicole said, I think is the best part. I mean, it just feels like you're drinking something expensive. Well, I, I feel like rosés in general are kind of more of a subtle flavor. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess it depends on the rosé, too. I can imagine Les Claypool himself picking the grapes in a pig mask. And it, it tastes better because of that reason. Oh, yeah, that fucking interview. This interviewer asked him if he ever considered, like, using any of his props or masks um, in the vineyard. And he was like, yeah, I've thought about going out there naked in a pig mask as pest control. But I don't think the actual winemakers would like that very much. <laughs> 
I wanted to add a unique note about Claypool. Yeah. We talked about Metallica earlier. He was um, high school buddies with Kirk Hammett, the lead guitarist for Metallica. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge Metallica guy, but uh, he was high school friends with him. And um, he said in an interview, he turned down being in a band with him in high school and had he, he turned him on to some new music and stuff. And he knew years later, like he was in a successful metal band and, um, Claypool actually interviewed to be a guitarist for Metallica and it, it didn't work out. I don't, I think they turned him down. I saw one of the Metallica guys said he was too talented. Claypool was, you know, and, but he just wouldn't have fit. He would not have fit in. I just can't imagine them writing songs together, mm-hmm. maybe sitting in and like playing some shit they already had, but mm-hmm. like not like trying to like craft something. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. again, maybe Metallica could have been a better band if Claypool was on the yeah. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but going back to it, when he had that interview with Metallica and was turned down or didn't take it or whatever, he was a carpenter. He had a carpentry job. Like, he was a real person, you know, trying to make it happen. And that was kind of cool. It humanized him for me. Right. Yeah. He's. I mean, he's from, like, working class stock. His, his stock, his family, they were all mechanics and stuff. And I guess his dad told him he needed to learn a trade, and that's why he did carpentry. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I found this one part of this interview. Um, so he's friends with Maynard from from Tool. Yeah. And so I guess this guy was, like, asking him if he thinks that, like, Maynard's trying to cop his venture and, like, who would win in a fight to be, like, the number one <laughs> nice. rock frontman wine guy. Um, and he, Les Claypool said, I would definitely have reach on him, I remember back in the day when he was he's studying, like tall and lanky. Yeah, <laughs> he was studying Gracie Jews, some kind of jujitsu. Um, so he would probably choke me out. I think I could probably get a few jabs in before I see stars, though. Maynard actually has a pretty vast knowledge of wine. I know, I know Russian River Pinot. That's where my palate starts. As far as the number one rock guy or wine guy, for that matter, I've always been the fellow that exists and thrives under the radar. Underground wine from an underground entertainer. That's a pretty fun quote. No. Yeah, and then. He was talking about his own personal wine knowledge, and he was like, well, making wine from vintage to vintage is very much like how it is making, or how it was making my first recordings. You learn more and more with each effort. I will add to that, um, I will add to that winemaking like recording is very subjective. Some like a little more attack on the kick drum, just like some want a little more or less oak on their pinot. 10% whole cluster, eight to one compression on the vocals, fender or fairer. Mm-hmm. And I know what eight to one compression means. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, um, on that note, I think we need to take a little break and we'll come back and we'll try out the champagne. Woo woo. Hey guys, you like what you hear? These ladies play hard and they work even harder for you listeners. Not to mention, pretty easy on the eyes. These celebrity endorsed wines and liquors, they're not cheap. Doesn't take beer goggles to see that. Have you considered adding a gratuity to your listen? If you feel so inclined, donate to the tip jar. Check the link in the show notes and drop a dime. 60% of proceeds will be donated to Black Lives Matter, trans funds, and bill funds. Drink them up, kids. Okay, we're back, and we realized that we didn't do our hangover factors from last week. So, uh, Angie, how was your hangover from the... Red 55 Miranda Lambert <laughs> wine. Um, I don't think it was that much of a hangover. We had our uh, HOA adult swim, which happens like three times a year. It was once fun. a month. Yeah. We got to go. So we went there and then, yeah, I just, I went to bed. I was tired the next day, but that's because we had a full day of events, which is not normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. True. 
How was yours, and uh, Nicole? I didn't really have one either because we did drink the like suicide wine. I'm surprised I didn't like go and hold someone up at gunpoint or like cheat on my husband because it was like scammer people. Wine. He's right here. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Just like, just just because of like her scamming ass parents and her. I'm yeah. just like trying I know. To joke. I know. I forgot we did the suicide <laughs> wine though. That was actually really good. We maybe we should call it that. Maybe we should call it a hurricane. <laughs> I don't know. So you guys. <laughs> Mixed wine together and didn't suffer any repercussions. Exactly. I also didn't have a hangover. Thanks for asking. Mm -hmm. But but I did have a ton of fun at the adult swim pool party and um, the backyard swim, too. Yeah, the backyard swim, because we went back to Angie's house and swam in the condom pool, mm-hmm. which was always always a good time. Uh, the mermaid pool. Angie doesn't use condoms. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Listen, was, condoms, <laughs> use them unless you're in a... I was unless about, you're fluid bonded with your partner. I was about to say, Dan, you probably shouldn't say that because Angie works for the health department specifically in like... Sexual or reproductive health. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So don't share her secrets Mm -hmm. on the pod. She doesn't use them. She distributes them. Right. Now it's just COVID stuff. So wear a mask Mm -hmm. Uh, and a condom. There you go. Well, the condom, or I'm sorry, the mask is the condom of the face. It's true. (laughs) It is. (laughs) All these people spreading spreading the disease. I mean. Because you can't take away their rats. (laughs) <laughs> okay so i'm really excited and scared for our next bottle because it's champagne and it's real champagne and usually i'm drinking sparkling wine product and i'm happy with that i'm happy and but and and we started the episode drinking andre so we could be humbled yeah so we could know our roots exactly the few times <laughs> i have had real champagne it's like so good and then i'm like sad that not a baller bitch that can drop sixty dollars just on a bottle I know, of bubbles. Right? All the it like time. brings you to your fucking knees. Mm-hmm. It's so good. What was the price point on this one? It was like fifty five dollars, wasn't it? It was the pricier of the bottles that I had to choose from. Mm-hmm. But I really, I really fucking wanted to try it. This is why I was confused when we were pouring the first wine because I was like, you don't swirl champagne. But we weren't drinking the champagne because I was so excited about the champagne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we should have started out with it. I don't know the order, but I mean, it is lighter in color, but I wanted to save this for last. I did too, because, you know, you always save the best for last. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> There's the champagne. <laughs> we uncaged it and it... <laughs> open it on like the microphone but i think the mic picked it up oh my god it hit the ceiling that's the yeah. second cork that's hit the ceiling today only s- slight spill poor ruby's like we're what okay. happened yeah ruby is like on high alert well we're gonna go ahead and pour that hurt my ears I, I saw it you. creeping out i saw nicole uncaged it and it started to creep out and there was no stopping it Ooh, that'll wake you up oh i watched a baller how it's made last weekend and one of them was making um the foils for champagne and the cages it was really really cool how it's made is my night night show don't give me that look no i'm like why didn't you That's send nice. me the link oh i'm sorry <laughs> i was not judging well, nicole mentioned it earlier these are uh grapes from the actual region in France. You yeah, bet your Angie sweet has tits. all the hot info pulled up. She can read. Yeah, Angie, why don't you give yeah. us the rundown this is while their we first uh, four way? F- why can't I pronounce anything? Four yay, four four a into the champagne business. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> four way on this bottle. Uh. <laughs> um, By the way, the waveforms okay. whenever the cork popped, is they're just like all over the place. <laughs> it's like I cannot compute. <laughs> 
Um, so they're working with a grower family in France, and they imported a truly special batch of bubbles, perfect for every occasion. There's only 200 cases of the champagne from the vineyards in Cormoux, Cormoux, in the heart of the Marne Valley. It's a husband and wife. Or the husband and wife. It's a third generation growers who own 8.5 hectares of a southern facing estate, which is one. Um, um, teacher, I have a question. What? What's a hectare? A hectare is a unit of measurement. It's like an acre, but it's like European acre. Okay. Metric system acre. Okay. I don't know the like acre to hectare conversion off the top of my head, but you know. I'll just look it up later. Using my phone right now, I'd Google it. So maybe somebody else can do it. How many hectares was it? 8.5. Okay. I do it. Okay. So um, it's a very rare in Champagne, this Southern facing plot so grower champagnes are truly about the it's 21 acres okay terroir and jackie oh bachette and his wife valerie i cannot do french i'm more of a spanish person lemoyne have been running the winery for the last 20 years after taking over from valerie's family um, they've been growing grapes and champagne for four generations. Jack's family has, and he's engaged in every part of the process, assembling the wines himself. Um, so that's where it came from. No herbicides or pesticides. So this champagne is clean, dry, and fresh with a low dosage and bright acidity, acidity which Nicole will tell you about. Um, after we drink it, I'll talk about the the taste notes and everything like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the, um, the whole dosage thing I was looking up, it's like, what is dosage and what is it doing in my champagne? Dosage is just the amount of sugar that's added because like actual sparkling wines, like I guess the grapes, the champagne grapes have to like struggle to ripen, which is like a good thing because that's what gives them complex flavor. But it means that there's not that much sugar in them. And so if you have like just the sparkling wine itself, like it's, they dose it with sugar in the bottle before they cork it. Oh, oh, oh. So the dosage is the amount of sugar. So the dosage on this is like nine milligrams of sugar, which it's makes low it a... dosage. It's low dosage, and that makes it a brute. There's like all of these different amounts, and so that's what determines if it's like a brute or an extra dry or a right. sec or whatever. It's how much... Or spamante. Yeah. So I guess an extra brute is under six milligrams, and a brute is under nine milligrams. Wait, did and you it says s- the dosage on here, nine grams per liter. Yeah. What did you say the hectare It's That 8.5 hectares is 21 acres. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to say um, the foil on this champagne bottle looks very fancy because of the, like, it's got the CC on it for Claypool sellers. And, um, like, it's like a thick boy. It's hard to peel around. Nice. That's just my hot take. But... And uh, as far as the color of it, we have some Andre next to it. <laughs> it's a, it's like a better, it's like thicker, like it's straw a, golden color. Yeah. Yeah. It's a darker color for sure. So I was just going to say fun fact, because everything has... The green glass is darker too. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Nicole. Go ahead. I was just going to say a fun fact about like why everything is named Pachyderm, like... Um, Les Claypool or Primus has a song called Southbound Pachyderm. And yeah. one of the winemakers like was talking about how that was his favorite song. And so that's why they've named everything's has like the Pachyderm theme. So I was going to ask everybody what your favorite Pachyderm is, which they have the, hold on. We'll get back to that. Cause I want to taste this real quick. Okay. Let's... So let's, 
we have to do some S's, but you're not supposed to swirl, so we're just going to smell it. We're just going to smell it and see it and sip it. It's more golden colored. That's what Dan was saying. Mm, it's a better The color. bubbles are very, like, and they're very, calming. Well, they're really rapid. I would like petite. a screensaver like this, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Okay. Mmm. Mmm, that was good. Those are fast bubbles in your mouth. It is Ooh, a very it's so crisp. <laughs> fast bubbles in your mouth. It has a pear flavor, kind of. Ooh, anybody else? Crystalline pearls on the palate. <laughs> I'm going to need you to calm down. <laughs> Stop it. Okay, so it has a silky, complex texture, a gorgeous mouthfeel, and is impeccably balanced. Hints of apples, I young put pear, in this. young pear, and Ooh. citrus on the nose, and a nice weight and a long finish. Weight like W E I G H T, not like wait for it, but yeah, Ew. it's anyway. good. This is a really fucking good. Champagne. I think it's worth fifty five dollars, but I wouldn't buy it again unless it's a special mm. occasion. Because you a cheap ass hoe. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm too busy. I think busy. it uh, tastes delicious, mm-hmm. actually. You can yes. taste the apple. I can taste the apple and pear, it seems. It has like an underlying fruit as well. I can definitely taste the pear, but I really like the, I mean, it's a brute, but like, I like that it's, it seems a little drier than most mm-hmm. brutes that I drink. Well, mm-hmm. it does, it, so brute can, okay, sorry, I misspoke. Brute can have up to 12 grams in the dosage and this one has nine. Yeah, it does. Okay, and then, um, yeah, the bubbles, you can tell that the, like a lot of cheap champagne, it tastes like they just like added carbonation to it. These bubbles are a lot smaller and like, well, and, like, and spicier. They it's spicy. Persist. And like, whenever I look at it in the glass, like, they just, they're just like so rapid. They're just like constant. Because I don't looks know like if real you've champagne. noticed a video of it. It looks like real champagne. Try it out. Um, I don't know if you like noticed this before, but whenever you drink like cheaper champagne, that's like sparkling champagne or what, or sparkling wine, a sparkling I mean. wine product. Yes, <laughs> like the bu- the bubbles are only in the glass for like a short time, and then they just kind of completely fade. You know what I mean? Like this is more like fucking soda. Like soda wishes it had this kind of bubblage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is way better than, so, uh, pardon. I know, we're all, like, real burping. <laughs> the bubble. There's very the much bubbles. So whenever I got my new job, I bought myself a bottle of Click, and I, like, didn't share it with anyone, and it was really good, but this is way better than that, in my opinion. Um, I didn't have your bottle of Click, mm-hmm. but this is better than any champagne I've ever had. Mm-hmm. The only other time that I've had like some really good champagne was whenever, so you went to Umphreys in Chicago for yep. New Year's mm-hmm. and me and Dan and then um, Lance went to Sound Tribe in Denver, in Denver for New Year's. 2017, mm-hmm. New Year's 2017. Was Jules there too? No, she, oh. it was whenever she was. Jules going, went to a baby shower in Florida in Miami. Oh, okay. So it was Thanks, just Dan. three of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, but we went with Lance because he went to see, um, well, anyway, he was just there, but he was staying with a well, friend. He was going to be solo on New Year's Eve. I yeah. thought he just tagged along. He tagged along with us to soundtrack. Yeah. Right, right, right. But he was staying at like a friend's house who was out of town, and that guy left us two really nice bottles of champagne for New Year's, which Aww. was really nice. And it was, it, was like, it was really sweet. It was real champagne, and it was real fucking. That was good. the last time Nicole and I had good champagne, and this stuff compares. This is uh, this is amazing. This is this is yeah. Mm-hmm. This is some really good shit. What was the champagne that we got on the boat on Jam Cruise? 
cruise. Nicole and I went to the casino and we dropped like $60 on a bottle of champagne just because. I can't remember. I just remember it like being really fucking ridiculous and going to, we were, was it when we went to the casino when we're like, like banging on the, oh yeah, it was when we went and gambled and we were being very loud and ridiculous. And and I think um, Ivan Neville was having a poker tournament and everyone was like being like really hush hush and we were like, God damn. Like screaming no, at we these were slot like machines. On the slot machines and like you being ladies like, loud. No, I know it's really hard to imagine. <laughs> I'm sure in a casino. Like seriously, I mean that that's why they put poker rooms away from well, the rest it was of the on casino. A ship. It was on a cruise ship. They have limited space in the in the know. you know the cruise been. casino. But well, we're gonna change that. No, I'm good with not going on a cruise. Don't you fucking give me that shit. I'm sorry. I'm judgy. <laughs> That is very true. That's the truest thing you've ever said. Look, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism except for eating my ass. So, um... Girl, you eat ass. <laughs> I guess that's for your fifth anniversary. It's oh, the ass eating anniversary. <laughs> Number five. Paper, <laughs> copper. <laughs> Silicone, ass eating. <laughs> What's number six? I think it's just like a ruby. <laughs> oh. I'm kidding. That's like Isn't 25. The first one I don't paper? know. So that just means you need to give me a bunch of money. <laughs> Consider well, it done. The rule is, is that whenever you get married, you know, like my money is my money and your money is my money. Mm-hmm. What's yours is mine and what's mine is mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's yours is ours. Ours <laughs> start yours over, start ours. over. What's yours is ours and ours and what's mine is mine. <laughs> I think Nicole was just saying uh, if you could transfer a bunch of money into my savings account, that'd be great. Just the other day, right? We're yeah, I did. Well, I went and, <laughs> bitch, I, we're, we're not, not talking, talking about errands on here. Oh my no. God. We cannot do relationship talk right now. Mm-mm. That's so. a different podcast, which we're starting next week. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the pachyderm. Yeah. Okay. So, what was your question? Any thick-skinned, non—what do we say? Ruminant animal, such as an elephant, hippopotamus, and rhinoceros. But what was your question about? The What's pachyderm? your favorite? Favorite pachyderm. Hippopotamus. Definitely hippo. It'd have to be the hippo. It's They're hippo, just elephant, angry. rhino. That's my order. Mine is. That's how I rank. Mine them. is baby. Elephant, baby hippo, baby rhino, and then elephant, rhino, hippo. I get it. Okay. I mean, I elephant- we're throwing the children into this. Well, hippos, like big hippos, full grown ones are like man eaters and stuff. Mm. But baby ones are so cute, especially when they don't have like any Fiona. Like Fiona. I know. I wanted a hippopotamus for my third birthday. I wanted that and my ears pierced. And I got my ears pierced and I got a hippopotamus backpack. Well, that's a little disappointing. I was three, too. My dad said that my mom couldn't pierce them when I was a baby. I had to be old enough to ask for it. I got my ears pierced when I was like nine months. I don't remember it. Like I've had them for 13 years, baby. And then I got my second, the second holes done when I was like I think, 11. I think Dan should get his ears pierced. I thought about getting my ear pierced when I was like 12 years old living in Northern California. Well, that was like all the rage. I was. Could have been, could have been cool. I've, you could have a little tiny gold cool, hoop so. like 
Well, with your beach dad vibes, it would be really cool if you had a single hoop earring or like one with like a feather hanging from it would go good with your Ooh, chain and your hat. Especially if you had one of your wigs on. Mm. Ooh. I have clip-ons though. I think we need to add some clip-on earrings to our That's next outfits. for the ensemble. Tip I got the over. Tim, we can just the, like I buy like clip-ons. I think tip tats are so fine. You know, the the magnetic ones might be like more comfortable. They, no, they hurt. They, those, they could pinch they you. They pinch, they pinch you hard. Pinch. The clip-on ones though. Why are we saying though, pinch? <laughs> the clip-on ones though you can you can like bend the barb to where it's not quite as also, tight you can also put like little corn pads on there yeah you can like little foam mm-hmm. thing so it okay. doesn't hurt okay dan okay, welcome to the clip-on earrings <laughs> dan, what, uh what are your thoughts on the champagne uh the champagne's delicious uh you can tell it's a high quality and it kind of goes back to i think les claypool cares about his wines yeah this is not this stuff. Mm-hmm. he cares about putting out a good product I yeah this is does, not some bullshit yeah. that he just throws his name on like it, i think that mm-hmm. it's very it's not one of those sign and go deals or anything like that and he described it like this is a winery that we created for ourselves and then it became a boutique winery and and it went from there so that's yeah that's nice. i well, think we need to add claypool sellers their tasting room onto one of the wine club road trips to be honest sure. when we can start doing that'd be nice mm-hmm. yeah i honestly feel high from drinking this and now i'm wondering if that's like what the dosage meant oh. Oh. we got dosed mm-hmm. let, me, and let me just mimosas. look at the bottle again is there thc in those i think oh you know there is LSD in this. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, wow. also pregnant ladies can't have <laughs> this one. Fuck. For the first one, we're fine. I mean, Can not that I'm pregnant. Can have that one? <laughs> well, I don't know. But yeah, I think it was a great choice of, uh, Lauren, did you choose to get the champagne and not another wine? Well, she asked. So the choices were um, just based on the availability at the time that I ordered it, which was, you know, the height of shelter in place. Um, we we could have chosen from two different vintages of the rosé, the Pinot rosé, and we could have selected a couple of vintages of the Pinot Noir, and we could have gotten the champagne. And I wanted the rosé personally because mm-hmm. I, I like rosé, and I just want to try it because we've had very few on the podcast. And then there was a question of, like, should we do champagne? Should we do the Pinot Noir? Angie said the Pinot Noir, and then I overruled her and got yeah. the champagne. Good well, call. just because you're not a red wine drinker, like that you wouldn't too. Have they, these ladies care. Yeah, they care about their guests. I I didn't realize that at the time. Actually, I just learned that today. I guess I just never had even seen you drink wine before. You know, I'll I'll Besides drink champagne. red wine if it's brought to me in a bag. And, I, and I'm and asked to slap it. it. Yes. Right. Well, we slapped the bag last well night. Well with that. Uh-huh. And well, now or that I think Carlo about Rossi. it, mm-hmm. the jug. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. well now that I train. Night train is that wine? Good. It's a hangover. That's what that is. That is true. Well, now that I think about it, in um, almost all settings, we've been like at the house hanging out and drinking wine. Like it's always the white wine that you like participate yeah. in drinking with mm-hmm. us. It's never the red. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Oh my gosh, yeah. This is the best champagne I've ever had. And that also includes, by the way, um, 
the stuff that we got for our wedding, because we got mm. some real champagne ourselves, and then for us, my Serbian family brought us that like really nice like. Oh yeah, well I didn't have any, but we I were remember given a bottle. That's right, I forgot yeah, about and, that. And my mom was like, "You should save that for your first anniversary. You don't drink it tonight." And I'm and like, like, "I'm popped. The <laughs> bottle popped itself like yeah. earlier. It's, that's champagne around us. It, it opens. It just pops itself. <laughs> yeah, weird how that happens. Well, I think for your first anniversary, you should be getting some Claypool Cellars champagne. We probably will. This mm-hmm. is. This is good stuff. It's really good mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. I was just going to go back to less now. Oh, yeah. Let's let's switch gears. The other story, the, the, the two stories, because my brother was like, well, he's just like a really private guy, like just on his land, like fishing and like doing stuff unless he's playing. But my brother went to the very first Bonnaroo, which was, I don't know what year it was. I went, I went in 2004. I think he went in 2000. I don't know. Anyway, he saw Les and Buckethead play, mm. and he said he, he all he remembers, yeah, like awesome. he just remembers the things he says is on stage. And so he was like, "Do you have the year?" I'm looking it up okay. right now. So he was like, "I." It started in 2002. Okay, 2002, yeah. and then I went 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just like, "I like like all your bright, shiny, smiling faces." They might be red faces in a few days. You should probably all wear sunscreen. That's Don't so forget nice. the sunscreen. That's nice. I do appreciate a sunscreen reminder considering <laughs> yeah. I'm the yeah. palest of the group. I, so yeah. Dan, Dan and I are on the same page. So uh, sorry to interrupt. Two, what? two things. What? God, I know. I'm just like, okay, here's the thing. <laughs> she put her, her like, captain's hat on backwards. I'm sequined captain's hat on and it's backwards. But I drank a bunch of like iced coffee right before we started recording so I'm kind of a motor mouth but so I was gonna say about less like okay two things one um I was listening to this podcast today and he was talking about the base and he was like look this is just the crayon that I picked out of the box to color with like it could have been any instrument and he does like play banjo on some stuff and he's played drums but he was talking about the bass and he was like you know I always thought the guitar was pretty wimpy the bass it just has such that like deep vibration it really gets your sperm count up wow (laughs) (laughs) one story I heard less talk about and I've related to and I shared it with with Lauren because uh we've we've been here but he was talking about being 15 years old going to his first Rush concert with a high school friend of his uh-huh. and he drank three oh, warm yeah. low and brew beers in the parking lot and threw up and had the time of his life it was a formative experience he saw one of his idols in Rush and it was awesome I related to him in that because I've been there you know I'm like I've thrown up at a concert and been like this is awesome well <laughs> you sent me you sent me the interview and then you said one of us <laughs> It's true. I had the same experience like going to, I don't know, Kings of Leon or something when I was 15 and drinking a bunch of hot Sprite and vodka in a station wagon. By the way, I hope you guys weren't wanting to take a picture of the cork or save it in any way because Ruby has found it and destroyed it. Oh. The champagne cork. Because I saw, oh shit. Sorry guys. I had that fleeting thought and I didn't. My girl Ruby. um, Rude bee. She she (laughs) is a rude bee. Um, she She loves a cork. Any cork that you put on the ground, she's going to destroy it. And in fact, the robot vacuum, that's why it's been mad at me. It's because I need to clean it out because there's a bunch of cork pieces all like tangled up in a bunch of dog hair because she chewed up a cork one one night when we were recording and like left it on the ground for her. So whoops. 
Oops. Yeah, Robot Randy, he's not happy. That's why there's dog hair currently all over the ground. Dan recently cleaned out. I I constantly thank God for Esteban, and it was like a cat. It looked like the size of a cat's worth of, like, mm-hmm. hair and fibers and, like, random shit. Mm-hmm. For me, it's a ton of hair and, like, leaves. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Rosie just started screaming the other day, and I keep her clean because I have my hair and then husky <laughs> hair. hair. And, and she was just like, and I was like, oh, fuck. These are, all our, so vac- mm-hmm. These are all our robot vacuums. These are all our robot vacuums. We're looking for a way. robot vacuum sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys could recommend one, throw them our way. I'm on my second right now. <laughs> We're also trying to get sponsored by Boda. Hey. Or Barefoot Bubbly. <laughs> Hashtag Boda Bitches. Hashtag Boda Bitches. <laughs> or Cooks. Or Cooks. Um, no, I just, oh my gosh. I really feel like I'm on drugs. This is incredible. This really is super good. Like, I feel all like lightheaded and giddy. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Dan, do you have a favorite song of Les Claypool? It could be any of projects. his projects or a favorite project of his. Yeah, let's round table it. Dan, you go. You know, I nerded out so bad with Duo de Twang. I really did. That's his, what he calls uh, his fuck off vacation band and it's him and one other guy just doing kind of i think folk music he's a fan of americana what? folk music he is i didn't he 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 introduced me to this song by after this i'll make you listen to the saint Alive i'm gonna cover. nerd out uh, but uh, what's he, that project called what's the duo de twang oh, yeah, that that's 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 duo de twang. Twang. and the, his the one album oh, the one i saw the one album i don't remember they, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it's called four foot shack and he does a number of folk songs and ones by a Canadian folk artist called Stompin' Tom Collins. And he sings just this beautiful song about Vancouver. And it's awesome. Claypool is awesome. And he's one of those artists to me. I can listen to a song 15, 20 times of his and then hear something else after that. And he puts a lot into his music. And he had a couple other folk songs on that album. And it dawned on me that I think this guy's a a fan of folk music. Well, didn't you read an interview about that though? Or like, mm-hmm. or he listen was, to one? Yeah. He was brought up on some like 1930s folk music and I like bluegrass myself quite a bit. And this kind of ties back into his friend from Metallica in high school. Who was like, Hey, listen to rush and listen to some of these other harder bands and turned them onto that, which is what high school friends are for to open you up. But he still sings folk songs and it's cool. That's one of mine. Um, so yeah. Well, didn't you read an, or listen to an interview where the guy was, it, it was like a guy who primarily interviews folk artists, right? And then mm-hmm. Les Claypool was saying that he considers himself Americana because well, like... Well, Americana is a very well, broad... He said, uh, it yeah. is a very broad term, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, he was talking about my name is Mud. <laughs> He's like, like all of his stuff is like storytelling, right? Yeah, storytelling. And uh, first off, let's talk about Les Claypool's singing style. He has sort of a narrator type... It's true. He really does. Speaking, and he talked himself about, uh, he considers himself a narrator for these characters he sings about. Well, when you watch the videos, too, along with the lyrics, like Mm -hmm. you can see that it is like a full story. And they work really closely with the animators of these music videos to really bring this whole thing full circle. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that. And part of it may have been like he wasn't a good singer. And he made it happen. You know, he, mm-hmm. he manufactured mm-hmm. his own success and he, he gave this quote about his dad, about his singing style. He said, uh, his dad said, I can't sing for shit, but I can play the hell out of the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> and that's funny. You know, he had his dad's respect, but his dad could still say, Hey man, what, however you're singing, whatever it is, it's not the best. 
but mm-hmm. but he made and he's been super successful for 30 plus years you know i respect man for that and he forges new paths and he has a ton of projects that he yeah. works on it's not just mm-hmm. doing a twang it's not just primus but there's also the lynn and clay the sean delirium. Lin, the delirium yeah and, and stuff with his bucket jazz, with his fancy band oyster head like there's there he's just so involved with so many different like parts of different yeah. music scenes like they're not all like i mean they all overlap a little bit but they all like touch on different genres and bump up against different fandoms the way that he like plucks his bass and stuff like he doesn't he gets mad when people say that he's like a slap bass player because he's not and he put out this like the he put out this list of like his 10 like top 10 like most influential bassists and he was talking about this one guy i can't remember who so he just was like plucking his bass so hard he said his hand and his strings were coming like a foot and a half off of his bass and he was just like i have to learn how to do that like i have to know (laughs) (laughs) and that's how he like started like developing his bass style and stuff well he does this like i can't remember what the technique is called but like because he mixes a lot of different techniques with with like some of the traditional methods i guess Mm -hmm. you could say but there is like this this method in guitar where you like pluck two strings at once and that's sort of what he does but he like kind of alternates it at the same time Mm -hmm. like if you ever watch videos of just like his hands playing it's really cool It's just such a unique sound. I know, right? That's why I just said he can plug my bass anytime. So I went down a whole rabbit hole last night, like trying to look at like the wives of the fish members. And like, I will say a lot of them, not to like body shame or anything, but a lot of them are um, what you would say plain or homely. Uh huh. Yeah, I was like, I'm not body shaming, but it ain't nice. It's face shaming. I don't know. I just thought that, (laughs) you know, I expect rock star wives to be really hot, but like they're definitely. Well, not everyone can be, um, fuck what's her name ryan's day six wife oh yeah (laughs) that's true not everyone can be that that cutie and fun Mm -hmm. but i i get it Mm -hmm. um angie what's one of your favorite tracks um well i think because i'm most familiar with oyster head i would say the it's like the birthday boys song which i think actually probably trey wrote that but I feel like it's more of a Trey song than less, but I have no idea. I know they collaborated on all of it, but you know, I feel like that they like kind of took turns creating the songs, but that's one of my favorites. Okay. That, I mean, that, but I didn't know about the folky stuff. Yeah. Well, now you the... do. I mean, actually I did because I was at that same festival mm-hmm. as you all. And well, that was we'll a... share the album later. Well, his whole thing about the, the Americana is just the, that one song, it's like about a crackhead. My name is Mud. Yeah. And he was funny. He related it to being American. He's like, this is about a crackhead who hits his neighbor in the head with a bat. Uh-huh. And what's more American than that? You know, this is Americana <laughs> music. Yeah. Again, but a fun I, music I, video too. Right before we started recording, Dan and I had a conversation. because so I was like, I've been to a lot of festivals. I went to Bonnaroo. I've been to... Um, a lot of the Wakarusas I've been to ACL. So there's a lot of t- bands I've probably seen when I didn't realize I saw them. So I realized Primus was at like the first um, or the only Bonnaroo I went to. So I'm like, I probably saw them and that was still when I was in the, I don't really like, honestly, when I saw Primus with my brother at Memphis and Maine, it was awesome. Cause I was with my big bro and we were at Memphis and Maine. I just like got my master's degree and there's a cool storm coming in, but like, to me, Primus, all the songs sounded the same. 
all Ma'am. songs sounded the same. Well, it's just because like the bass is like um, such a focal point. Yeah, powerful. the bass is the guitar mm-hmm. in the in Primus. Yeah, yeah I, mean? I know, but like. I don't know, but when I listen to Oysterhead, I don't think that. And when I listen to some of the Primus, but the, when I was standing there listening, it was just wow. Ooh. A bottle back. of the cheap stuff. Well, it's cooks. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, I mean, I'm not dog. I know it's great, but yeah, my vote is Oysterhead. If I were going to go for, with one single track, I'd be Birthday Boys. Okay. So I think the track that I'm going to go with is. Oh, no, you go first, and then I'll Wait, go. no, I have a second runner-up, but go ahead. Okay, I'm going to say that my favorite track is probably, it's, it's from Primus, it's the Mr. Crinkle song, because I like the upright bass, and I like the, the effect, the pedal effect that he has on it, and it's just so nasty sounding, like, I... I enjoy the shit out of that. Plus, like, the music video is cool. And we watched that video earlier. We did. Mm. And, like, I I don't know. Like, I guess it's just some sort of, like, you know, like, like the, the teen, the teen robo tripper in me that, like, just had such a great time experiencing that the first time whenever it happened that I, it's just, like, really stuck with me. It's and part I get the song. Now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the song gets stuck in my head all the time. Mm-hmm. So. That's my favorite, my favorite Claypool track. So my favorite project is like the Bastard Jazz project, but that's just because I'm a horny bitch and there's an actual saxophone in that. Mm. Of course. And it's like, sounds so fucking chaotic. Like it is like, I don't know. It's Claypool jazz. If you can imagine, like not acid. It's just like fucking chaos, pretty much. Organized chaos. Yeah, I am a sax slut. But my favorite actual track is that Beats Antique track. Beezlebub. Just, I think it probably got like burned into my brain when we did like the combo birthday party and went and saw Beats Antique at Kane's, which was a super hot time. It was a wig party. It was wild. It's a Halloween party too. Well, it, it was, was after that, Halloween, was the, but just a, a, a less than a week after. It was the, like we need a hundred beers tonight. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I have to take my birthday boys back because yes, it was a tray. Anastasio song. So on that album, well, no, on that album, because it it lists by like music and lead vocals. So my other favorite one is like the, the name piece of the, what do you call that? Like the album's named after the song, the title track. Yeah. Title track. Thank you. Name piece. (laughs) (laughs) She speaks Angie. We're good. I do speak Angie. It's true. Well, you asked me the name of the song. I never gave you the name of the song. It was called the bridge came tumbling down. Mm. Um, Okay. I am familiar with that song. uh It's beautiful. It's It's a great song. So I hope people can follow our like, (laughs) Conversations because this we is how we like always talk. That's what good champagne but, does. But <laughs> say. This is why you're supposed to drink wine while you listen to the podcast. It's true. <laughs> the grand pecking order because Claypool was actually um, the one who wrote that song. Wrote it. He okay. wrote the lyrics and then they both performed on it. But yeah, the name piece song. The name <laughs> the title track. Title track. Um, so finish your thought or start I, and end your so talk. So I'm. <laughs> I'm like really disappointed that we didn't get to see like the linen Claypool delirium on um, on Jam Cruise. But from our friends that went, they said that they were really disappointed because they were looking forward to seeing Claypool like sit in and collaborate with artists and stuff. Mm. But they got they got on and then they got off at the first stop because I guess that Sean Lennon has to have he's like 
such a high profile person and like they're afraid he's going to get targeted and like assassinated. So like considering, yeah, he couldn't be like on the boat for very long, basically. And so kind of a bummer. You can't like hang out with him. Well, I don't know why he couldn't have just left and Claypool could have stayed behind or whatever. Well, maybe he had other stuff going on or maybe he missed his wife. I don't know. He he owes me an explanation. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We will email him after the show. (laughs) He seems kind of like a homebody. So he's probably like, I'm going to use this as an excuse to go home and drink some wine. Well, I like how this particular episode has turned out to be barely about wine and just us like fangirling out about and, like Claypool. stroking our dicks about less clay but you know that rarely happens so hopefully our fans enjoy it um so it is time for us to rank them girls already it is already i had another story whatever no Angie, the, do a story. story no it wasn't a story well let dan do a story okay. i was just we were talking about less claypool songs and he's known for winona's big brown beaver yes and uh that was early on in his career, and he sort of said that took away any seriousness people thought he had, and it was banned on MTV. Wouldn't be played during the day because of the Big Brown the, Beaver. Mm, he had being to call. To, got it. Yeah, he yeah. had to call some MTV like exec and explain it, and they would only play after midnight. And finally, the best part about this story: that song pissed off Winona Ryder. Because they thought, because she was so popular at the time, they thought it was a, people thought it was about her. And he's like, I spelled it with a Y. If anything, it should have, people should have like thought that it was about Winona Judd Judd, because first of all, it's country and it's spelled with a Y. And they, and, and like the, the little costumes they wore were like chaps and cowboy hats Mm -hmm. and stuff. Like pretty big of her to think everything (laughs) is about her. Get over yourself, Winona. Yeah. It's not hashtag free Winona anymore. It's hashtag free Brit Brit. It is. (laughs) It's true. What were you going to say? Oh, just the fangirling out. It's kind of past now, but when we're talking about fangirling out over him, that that was one of my favorite, one of my few, many favorite things about that uh, rockumentary, uh, electric Mockumentary. Yeah. (laughs) Rockumentary. Electric apricot. Mockumentary. And the quest for festeroo. Mm -hmm. Um, When all the guys, like band guys are like, fangirling out over like actual like because they had actual oh, people whatever that they was. really <laughs> did play at festivals too they did. I know and it's really funny because they're acting like people actually or maybe how they might have acted towards like artists that well, they it's were really funny when like the lead guitar player from like the electric apricot band like meets warren haynes and he asks him like hey do you go do you like to go to zoos do you go to zoos a lot and he's like no like kind of like shaking his head and then he's like oh well do you like to feed ducks like in the park and he's like i'm not really a duck person and he's like do you want to fuck my girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> I was watching that. He doesn't even have a girlfriend in the documentary. But oh, because yeah. I was like, I must have missed that part. No, he doesn't have one. He just like said it because he was nervous. But it's really fucking That's funny. Hilarious. Well, Doug had come in and was watching that with me. And he was laughing. I was like, we should just restart this. But when he was working as a bartender at the bar that we always mention that we love, some guy was like offering up his wife to Doug. What? Wow. And Doug was Tell like, me more. Uh, okay, no, you know, that's, I, no, thank you. Like, just, you know, no. And then the guy got pissed and tried to punch him, like reach across the bar Did and punch him ugly? because he like, yeah. <laughs> basically, he didn't want to participate in the hot wife thing. You don't want to fuck my wife? He's <laughs> like, I had to kick him out. <laughs> so... This is kind of an aside too, but you know that he wrote a book, right? Like a novel. 
He wrote a novel called South of the Pump House, and it's about, like, these two brothers named Ed and Earl Paxton. It's set in the mid-1990s in, like, a redneck California town. Like, Earl's a meth-smoking greaser, but Ed tried to distance himself, and he went to state college. He moved to Berkeley and married, like, a black lady and all this stuff. But, like, the description of the book is a dark, clever tale of two brothers, a fishing trip, drugs, and murder. This novel skillfully combines classic motifs of epic struggle and intelligent layers of imagery, Reminiscent of the old man in the sea and the raw, tweaked perspective of a Hunter S. Thompson novel. Oh my God, that sounds like Ooh, that fun. Sounds I know. So good. I think we I've been looking it. for a new quarantine book read. club. No, so, I have like a thousand books so that I haven't read. Tony Tromboni kind of wants to do a book club because we've been reading these like other Grady books. Hendrix mo- Grady novels. Hendrix novels. Mm-hmm. Tony, like, friend of the pod. Yeah, yeah. Recent guest. Thanks, Dan. But she. But maybe we should bring this up to her and we should do that too. Well, she would be all fucking over it. I yeah. know it already. Les Claypool, Arthur. Musician, dad, carpenter, winemaker, father, vintner, yeah, husband, all of them, all of them, friend, friend. <laughs> <laughs> and now friend of the pod. <laughs> okay, so let's rank them. Let's rank um, out of the two we tried today. Which ones? Like, we'll start from like our least favorite to favorite, and then also I would like you to name which Claypool project is your second favorite because we already talked about our favorites. There's so many. I know. Like, I haven't heard all of them. How could I? You've heard a, at least two. You already said Oysterhead's your favorite. So what's the second one? Well, I've heard more than I know I've heard is a problem. Oh, my God. Angie, well, just also play the, along. Also, the problem is, like, all of his projects are named, and then he releases albums, but the albums aren't named to the projects. You know what I mean? Well, of course not. So... Because um, he has, like, big Zappa energy and has to be, like... All over the place. Long, he, it's like... Panic at the Disco songs, I think, were inspired, like, song titles, I think, were inspired by these people, like, just naming things, like, really crazy and long things. What? I think it paved the way for people like Panic at the Disco to have really long song titles. Okay, so it's time to wrap up now. Okay. (laughs) Before we get really off course. Nicole, you start. What, let's rank them. Okay, so I liked the champagne most. It was like really, really good. Probably the best champagne I've ever had. And I think it tastes more expensive than what it costs. Then the rosé. It was a good rosé. And I think it tasted like $35, especially because of the mouthfeel. But like... Like it was, there's like absolutely no question. Yeah. Cause I'm a pink wine freak and I'm a champagne freak, but like the bubbles blew it out of the water. And so then I would have to say my second favorite project. Is that what we're doing? Yeah. Okay. My second favorite project is, um, Les Claypool's fancy band, mostly because he has that really weird girl that he signed to his label, which was like only the second person he signed since 1993. And, um, people really hate her, but she like plays the ukulele and all these really weird instruments. And she was part of that band and it was fun. Also, she dresses like a baby, which is also fun. What does dress like a baby mean? She like wears like onesies and pigtails and stuff. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. It's cute. Her name's like Gabby Lala or something. Okay. Uh, Angie, do you want to go next? Yeah. I mean, I agree. I definitely am going. My second favorite is the Pinot Noir pink wine. And my first favorite is the champagne. The mouthfeel on both is like really selling it. Like a really rich mouthfeel on both of them. I just, I can taste the flavors better in the champagne than I could um, the other wine. And then my second favorite project of his would have to be the Pachyderm Cellars. 
Less like wholesome. Nice. It's beautiful. Nice. I love it. Well done. I love That's it. Just dictionary to find. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like pachyderm wine, but less. It's Claypool Cellars, right? Well, yeah. It's Claypool it's, Cellars, and then the. It's Claypool Cellars, and everything's like pachyderm themed. And it used to be he wanted to name it originally Purple <clears throat> Pachyderm, but then he um, shortened it to Pachyderm to make it more classic. Well, like the champagne is called Champagne Pachyderm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so example, Claypool Cellars is, is like my pachyderm. second favorite project of his. Uh, cute. So um, <laughs> cute. I am following. I'm following suit. Like my least favorite was the rose, and for no other reason, the champagne just blew that shit out of the water. Yeah. Like I love the pair forward notes. Like I haven't had a champagne that tasted this good and this fruity and the bubbles like girl the mm-hmm. bubbles and it's making um, us all burp <laughs> a lot <laughs> it is. It is. but also my second favorite clay pool project would have to be duo de twang for sure so uh dan give us your hot take all right so I'll rank them. Well, the rosé was good. It was it was delicious. True. Mm-hmm. I liked it. And it was right in my alley as a white wine drinker. But the champagne being head and shoulders above everything. Of course. Is delicious. And you know what's really good is enjoying a good bottle of champagne with my friends. I know. In Aww. front of a microphone. So, which is yeah, precious. So that was good. And um, the <laughs> second favorite project, he had this uh, flying frog brigade that he does some really weird stuff with. And I've, I, you can put some of those albums on and just let him go. And he has some, like, killer surf sax sounds. Yeah, he does yeah. He does uh, Hendershot on that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm, yeah. And so he just, he has so much cool stuff. I'm not counting Primus as a side project, but check out his flying frog brigade he has a couple albums he did with them yes Mm -hmm. uh everybody uh final thoughts um my final thoughts are um you can get a six-pack case of the champagne for 280 dollars and so for anyone who's like a big freak and fan of me they can definitely send me one of those just email (laughs) us and i'll send you a p.o box (laughs) (laughs) final thoughts is i'm sorry if how as Dan said we felt like we were just drinking a bottle of champagne among friends and it might have turned into more of like our friend conversation than like a podcast conversation at times but hope you could follow along and mm-hmm. enjoy it. My final thought is that we're probably going to have to add another Claypool episode in season three because I'm very curious to know what the hell else he's got out there. I want to try that Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. Yes. My final final thought is oh I'm really missing live music with my fucking friends and I can't oh. wait until I can do that again. And not just in like a social distance like drive through way or like where we're like cordoned off like cattle. Like I want to be able to like rub shoulders and have a man with a face tattoo offer me to like I- smoke his joint i want to fucking i want want people sweat on me i want to grind i want to rage yes all of it all of it Mm -hmm. i want to have to split the crowd because someone's puking like i am ready i want to hand all of my shit that i'm carrying to dan in the rain so i can go pee in a porta potty (laughs) 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 well wine club listeners thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next week luscious bye bye Thank you so much for listening to Celebrity Wine Club, and thank you to our special guest. This episode was produced by Angela Hill and Nicole Cross, and mixed by executive producer Lauren Schwartz. Our theme music is by Grammatic, hashtag digital freedom. If you would like to send a suggestion, let us know what you think. 
Hit us up at celebritywinedrunk at gmail.com or you can find us on social media, Celebrity Wine Club. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Drink them up, kids. Thank you.